Welcome back, everyone, to episode 14 of Football Aid Podcast. Uh, I'm here with my boys, Matt and Bill, and we are fresh off of previewing the AFC North, the NFC West, uh, and the AFC East, and now we're moving down to the NFC South. What's going on, guys? Ready to talk about some Buccaneers football. <laughs> the Bucks. <laughs> the Bucks. Uh, so for those who don't know, uh, I've been to, I think, two two Tampa Bay games. Okay. Um, their stadium is just like in the middle of like strip club central. <laughs> just a fun fact for those who may be attending games upcoming with children. Don't take them there. <laughs> I've, I've been to Raymond James once for a women's national team soccer game. And I did not realize that they were surrounded by strip clubs. They are. They are. There's a big pirate ship and then just, just poles, <laughs> stripper poles everywhere. <laughs> Had I known that, I may have extended the uh, the trip. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Also, Yankees Yankees spring training not too far from that that mm. spot either. Uh, is Jeter? What did they call? What did Jeter call his home down there? Um, Tom Brady lives there now. There's a nickname. Um, I don't oh, know. Geez. Well, that landed well. Um, <laughs> so NFC South. Any overall any overall thoughts on this before we get into looking at maybe what's the worst team in the NFL uh, this year in the Atlanta Falcons. Any overall thoughts before we get into the Falcons? I will take your silence as a no. So we'll move right into Atlanta, who lost nine one-score games last year. There's an alternate universe, I'm sure, where they won six of those and knocked the Bucks out of the playoffs, but we are not in that one. Um, and I think the fact that they lost those games is only worse by the way they lost those. Um couple bright spots, I guess. Um, Calvin Ridley uh, broke out. Uh, Russell Gage may be the most surprising 100-target receiver of all time. Um, Matt Ryan was fine uh, last year, fine to good. Took more than 40 sacks, though. I guess that's not a bright spot uh, for the third straight year. And, um, yeah, god-awful the rushing on offense. The corpse of Todd Gurley did not rebound uh, in Atlanta. They're the only team that was – they, the only team worse in rushing than the Falcons were um, was the Steelers, not surprising. So I guess what are your thoughts on the hot mess uh, in Georgia, guys? So I, I want to give you a I want to give you a stat. Okay, actually several stats Ooh, because yes. so I'm going to throw some numbers out and I'm I want you to guess what and I I can't imagine it'll be that hard, but I want you to guess what these stats reflect. Okay. So and we're going to go in backwards order from 2020. Ready? Yes. 29, 20, 28, 9, 25, 16, 32, 27, 24. Wait, wait. Hold on. We're going backwards from 2020 in years. Yes. And each year, those are that's a number. That is a number. Okay. I mean, I want to say Matt Ryan touchdown passes, but I that nine has thrown me off. Um the nine feels like an aberration. Let me just say that because what this actually is is well, hold on. Matt, the Matt's got a guess. Matt's got a guess. Oh oh oh! It's probably there. It's some kind of ranking. I oh, feel like good. it's it's the so ranking dumb. of the of the rush defense. It is a rank of their total defense in yards allowed over the last ten years. Wow, good Matt, you're close. This team, when you talk about parentally bad, if you want to go back further, I'll, t I'll ask you another question and then I'll stop with the trivia. <laughs> no, I like it. 
how many times has the have the Atlanta Falcons finished in the top 10 in total defense in terms of yards allowed since their last well their their Super Bowl appearance in 1998 how many times have they finished what in the top 10 in defense for yards allowed once yeah i i'm trying to think of good falcons defensive teams and i i'm bl- i'm blanking on really any you know, Deion, Deion Sanders was the last, what, uh, defensive stalwart that played for them? Am I missing anyone? Um, I'll just go twice, just to price is right, Matt. Matt is correct. Oh, it is nice. one time since oh, 1998 no. that they have finished in the top 10 in defense for yards allowed, which is, is that is, you know, we talked in a previous podcast about, you know, organizationally you know how how a team is perceived this team regardless of coach or personnel is habitually and consistently bad at defense (laughs) i never realized just how consistently bad Uh, yeah, so I guess, I guess now would be my time for, to, to give my take on Atlanta and, and to be honest with you guys, as your, as your resident optimist, I really tried. And, and and if there's any Falcons fans listening, like I want it, I want you to know, I really tried, but this team sucks. (laughs) (laughs) It's so bad. I mean, I'm looking, I'm looking at their, their defense, uh, in their, in terms of their defensive starters. And I recognize maybe two names. Um, you know, the, the offense, like, okay, the offense may be all right, but so what their offense has been all right for, you know, 20 years and they haven't done anything with it. You know, um, Matt Ryan, I don't think it's his fault that, that he needs to put up 40 points to even have a chance to win a game. Um, you know, okay, congratulations, Calvin Ridley. You're now the number one wide receiver. Um, let me know how that's going to go now that your running mate is Russell Gage. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I don't think that Russell Gage is a bad player, but he's not Julio Jones. Um, I guess you're going to try to go with the two tight end set with Kyle Pitts and Hayden Hurst. But as we all know, rookie tight ends – are not super useful. Um, I do like Hayden Hurst, but he wasn't incredibly effective either last year. You know, you've got a, a mediocre offensive line. The one bright spot that I see is, is Mike Davis. I love Mike Davis as a player. He's fun. He runs people over. He runs mean. I think the only reason that Atlanta signed him is because he absolutely ran through them like they were like <laughs> toilet paper last year. Like, because I remember I had him on my fantasy team. Mike Davis ran all over Atlanta. The problem is Mike Davis is not an exceptional talent. Mike Davis is a fun story, but Mike Davis is also a journeyman. He's he's a He's a league average running back. Is he an upgrade over Todd Gurley? Yeah, but like anybody with two functioning knees is an upgrade over Todd Gurley. So I don't really see that being a huge boon. I I think this offense got worse and the defense stayed bad. Um, I think they're going to be picking in the top five of the draft next year. I don't see this team um, being able to participate in some of the shootouts and stuff that they have like they have over the past couple of years because they've had to because of their defense because the offense is not as good as it was 
And you can tell me all day that you're going to lean on a rookie tight end to pick up the slack from a, you know, top, call it top 15 receiver all time. I don't see it. I really don't. Um, I think this team wins three games. Bill, you and I are like dead on again. I have written down here three and 14 and a hundred percent chance they're picking top three next year. I, I, I was a little bolder, but yeah, I'm in the same boat that you're, that you're in. Good, good company. <laughs> Matt, what do you think? Just a comment. And I think we've talked about this, but the listeners have not heard us talk about this at any point in time. Is there any, any more glaring hallmark of a junk franchise than consistent uniform changes and, <laughs> and just delving into absolute garbage jerseys? Nope, that's that is telltale sign. That's it. One. Yep, that's it. Cleveland Browns before they actually settled on on the the decent unis they have now. New York Jets, Atlanta Falcons. The Texans are obviously <laughs> going to be going through some sort of transformation soon. The Miami Dolphins. I mean, there's it's just it's what happens when you're a junk franchise. Is you just have to the Jaguars. Yep. Like that's what happens. You just need to change your uniforms because you're trash and people, you need to get sold jerseys that's what it comes down to and atlanta is a trash franchise so that's my diatribe on on jersey design uh, by the way what is with the stupid two-toned red and black one uh, oh, that makes horrible. me angry when i see it just go back to the classic uh, dirty birds uni and call it yeah go back to the dirty birds the 98 unis were fine there was nothing wrong with those <laughs> yeah. No, you could add a little bit of flair to them if you yeah. wanted to, but yeah, you make a need... yeah, make a red alternate or something. That's fine. Don't don't like make it into like an actual bird that like takes up you know <laughs> two thirds of the helmet. Looks ridiculous. So yeah, I, I have a number for you guys. Um, twenty seven. Any guess what that is? Just off the bat, just twenty seven. That's only one number. The only what context do you think that's in? Twenty seven of... is probably the highest rush rank they've had since the last Super Bowl against the Patriots. Nope. Bill, any guesses? Uh, number guess of though. times Matt Ryan gets sacked per game. No, it is... <laughs> per game. <laughs> per game. <laughs> it is the amount of rookies or undrafted rookie free agents that are currently on their depth chart. Oh, my gosh. That's terrifying. I have never seen a secondary this bad i don't think in my life um aj terrell is the only one who's passable and he had even a, a bad year um i think if that offensive line doesn't improve and matt ryan takes another 40 sack season this season goes from bad to completely catastrophic um in order for the falcons to represent have any hope grady jarrett dante fowler jr and Dion jones have to have like all pro seasons, and even then they might only finish above 500. Uh, but that would take like an all-world season from three of their best defenders, which they're not going to get. Um, and I'm with you, Bill. I couldn't find anything positive. I, the only thing I did was I was watching the Pirate game today. and Ooh, Speaking of lack of positivity, <laughs> yeah. yeesh. Well, it rem I think Kyle Pitts is and if, for those of you who don't watch baseball, the Pirates have – they're a hot garb. They're, they're, they're a tire fire right now. Um, but they have a player who's going to be their best player since Barry Bonds in the early 90s. His name is Key Brian Hayes. 
Uh, he's third baseman, um, great with a bat, elite in the field. Anyways, I won't go too far into that, but he's surrounded by trash. And but he's going to be the reason that people want to come out and and watch, you know, the Pirates play. And I feel like Kyle Pitts. I mean, he has Kelvin Ridley, but I feel like Kyle Pitts is going to be that same. Um, in that same boat where he is a gem potentially surrounded by just a freaking heap um, of trash around him, and he's the one they market to death. So I think Kyle Pitts is is uh, in the same position as Key Brian Hayes. Not that that's going to hold a whole lot of relevance to anybody, but not a lot of reasons to be excited this year for the Falcons. What, one of the things that really I'm struggling with, especially since the Julio Jones trade, and I'm not going to – belabor the point because we talked about that um during one of the the previous podcasts but i think it was the nfc west podcast we kind of jumped into that with the onset but if you knew that you were going to trade julio jones i have a problem that you didn't do it before the draft because then you could have actually leveraged some draft picks like you could have done a little bit more than just draft Kyle Pitts. You could have invested in your defense. You could have done a lot of different things. But you can go back and I think it was like the third episode or second episode that Zach and I ever did before we even brought Bill online. We talked about the wide receivers. Mm-hmm. If you were going to get rid of Julio Jones and you were going to draft a pass catcher, why did you not draft Jamar Chase? Yeah. Why did you draft a tight end? Because the the tight ends who have been drafted as high well actually none have ever been drafted as high as kyle pitts but like the last one that went nearly as high was another sort of physical freak of nature in oj howard who ended up being awful in the league and you had a surefire blue chip guy not to say that kyle pitts is going to be as bad as as um as oj howard but jamar chase was blue chip like this dude was gonna be it is going to be a really good receiver in this league. Probably a top a top tier receiver in this league. So I don't get the logic. Why are you drafting Kyle Pitts at number four? Why didn't you try to trade back if you were going to take a pass catcher? Because you could have moved back a couple spots and still got Jamar Chase. Um, or you could have moved back a couple spots, had someone take Jamar Chase at four, one of the quarterbacks at four, and you could have still grabbed one of the, you know, Jalen Waddell, Jamar Chase, you could have dr- grabbed um, Devontae Smith. Like, there's a lot of things that you could have done. And your team has so many holes. And you decided that you're going to lean on a first round tight end. Like, that's not a premier position, that's a luxury kind of position. So, I just I don't understand the logic. And I had a lot of hope. And also, we talked about like Matt Ryan being sacked so many times. And in one of the mock drafts we did, I talked about they should draft Penny Sewell, they should draft Rashawn Slater, they should draft one of these linemen because their left tackle is not that good. And Matt Ryan is getting sacked, you know, however many times Bill, I think, said 27 times per game. It's a little bit <laughs> drastic, but, but, but that's it's insanity that you're exposing a, a quarterback who has never really been given an opportunity to to flourish outside of maybe one year and he took you to a super bowl and you're not protecting him and you're continuing to give him weapons that don't necessarily make sense like you're adding stuff to to his repertoire but then you're taking away when you take away julio jones 
and I'm just I'm really confused by this organization and I really wanted to like them because I love Matt Ryan but now I'm of the opinion of like why do they even have him because clearly you're going through a full rebuild after you get rid of Julio Jones and after the draft that they had and the defense is still terrible so like why not get rid of Matt Ryan too why not ship him off to to one of these teams that is Super Bowl ready like the you know, has a Super Bowl-ready roster like the Patriots or, I don't know, go get Baker and trade Matt Ryan to the Browns. Like, go do something like that because you're wasting away. You're wasting this dude's career. Oh, my God. Like, look, think about Matt Ryan on the Dolphins. Yeah. I mean, that, that team would be like a, like a 12-13 win team almost immediately. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and one of the problems that I think – when you're sort of half-heartedly doing a rebuild is okay now you've got matt ryan but now you've sort of diminished the targets that he has the defense is still terrible and all you're doing again for another year is asking matt ryan to per perform houdini acts in the fourth quarter to scrounge together a couple wins um and it's I, I, I would be extremely disappointed if I was Matt Ryan um, about the way that this franchise is going. You know, even if you didn't draft Kyle Pitts and you wanted to make your team better, you could have drafted, um, you know, Micah Parsons, which I think I even mocked him, you know, back a couple months ago now. But, like, make your defense better. Don't rely on Matt Ryan to be your everything and, and carry the team because for as good as he is – he can't do it by himself. Um, I I just I don't I don't like a lot about this team at all. Mike Davis is fun. Don't get me wrong. He'll probably end up on my fantasy team, but he's he's not an an all world talent. He's a tough runner, and that's fun to watch. But I mean, he's not a he's not a you know a, a difference maker. You know, in the you know classic sense of oh this running back is really fast or really straight i mean he's just a decent running back um i i don't think there's a lot of optimism around this team at all i will uh, here's my thought on the puzzling moves and i matt you did a very good job um you know detailing those out i think that this is AK, even though they won't say it, and they've said all the right things since bringing on Arthur Smith, and I can't remember the GM's name. You know, we're in line with what we're doing with the first round pick. Um, you know, we're you know we trading Julio after the draft. I think this has some fingerprints of Arthur Blank all over it. Um, he was the reason that trade was the Julio trade was delayed as long as it was was because he kept he wanted to find a first-round pick and he wouldn't settle with just a second because he didn't understand how they could only get a second for Julio when um, they got a second for Mohamed Sanu and they gave a second for Hayden Hurst. And he was, he was um, you know, holding that up. And I feel like the Kyle Pitts selection is around that same instance where it's, you know, hey, I really like this guy or have you guys looked at him? And may maybe if it's not overt pressure, but enough pressure where Arthur Smith feels like and their GM feels like they have to make that trade. So I think some of those puzzling moves, maybe not all of them, but some of them have Arthur Blank's fingerprints on him because he has a little bit of Jerry Jones in him, just a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. That's my thought on that. And then the one other take I'll give, this might be a spicy take, but um, – I think Matt Ryan could potentially be, with the extra game, the NFL's first 6,000-yard passer next year. And if not the sixth, first 6,000-yard passer, could be 
he could lead the league in passing yards next year. That's that's what I think. That's my spicy take. Just because of how bad this team is, and I can't see any other way that they compete other him other than him throwing it, you know, 45, 50 times a game. Yeah, yeah. but but I, I agree with that. But what I will say as, as a word of caution, again, I, I don't I know we're not talking fantasy football here, but it's very exciting that he's gonna be throwing all those times and he's going to be, you know, throwing for a gajillion yards. Um, but he's gonna get sacked a lot he's going to throw a lot of interceptions so you look at the expected um i I guess i would call it uh you know fantasy points per game and for matt ryan it it looks really appetizing until you realize oh yeah he got sacked you know 12 times (laughs) in a game you know so (laughs) you got to be careful with that yeah he won my fantasy championship for me and took me to another one uh during the stretch where where he um where they won, they, well, they went to the Super Bowl and they lost to so the twenty-eight to three. That was the season I went to the championship and then lost. I drafted him again, and then I won. And then I've blindly drafted him <laughs> every year since that's happened. And the the positive points are always there, but like you don't realize the negative of his interceptions, of being constantly sacked. Um, he was really frustrating to the point like I'm hugely loyal to Matt Ryan. And I, I was benching him every game in favor of lesser quarterbacks, which dovetails into my next point of I'm actually going to bring up a comparison that kind of predates us even um, that of like a quarterback whose career he kind of I feel like is emulating okay. or the, the, the trashness of the franchise is emulating. But has there been any quarterback whose brilliance has been wasted in a more dramatic way than Matt Ryan. And I think the only other one I could think of was Ken Anderson, the guy that took the Bengals to, uh, to a couple AFC championship games back in like, probably like the late eighties, early nineties. That's pretty good. I'm not intimate with Ken Anderson. I know the overall story, but I don't know statistically or anything like that. So I'll defer he, to you on that. He one. may have gone to a Super Bowl. I don't remember. Is that I know, the Niners? Yeah, one? I was gonna say that, that when they got the, slaughtered by the Niners. The well, the Niners beat them twice, but I think one of the times a quarterback was Boomer Esiason. I think, yeah, Boomer was the one in the in the '90s. But I think he Ken, may be right. Ken was on the in Ken the '80s. Yeah. In the 80s. I know he played in that game. Anytime there's a cold weather game, they always show the one between. It was the. <laughs> I think it was a championship game. It was a playoff game in Cincinnati between Cincinnati and I think it was the um, San Diego Chargers okay. at the time. But they've just. I mean, the, the Falcons have wasted his career in the same way that, that, like, the Bengals or even, like, the Dolphins and Dan Marino. Not to say that. Matt Ryan is Dan Marino, but they like Dan was never surrounded with the exception of early in his career when they went and lost to the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Like he was never surrounded with top tier talent. I mean, he, he never had anything like what even Matt Ryan had with Julio Jones. I mean, it's just it's insane that you can have a franchise quarterback for so long. And maybe it's a detriment to Matt Ryan to be like, I, sh- I don't want to be on this franchise. Like if anyone should be pulling an Aaron Rodgers, yeah. it should be Matt Ryan, not Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, even if you look at you know Matt Ryan, it's not like he hasn't had his chances. I mean, I'm I'm not giving Matt Ryan a free pass here, but he's had Roddy White, he's had Julio Jones, he had Tony Gonzalez, he's had um, Calvin Ridley. Like 
he's had guys to throw the ball to. Um, but the defense Tony has Gonzalez. always been bad. Tony, yeah, Tony Gonzalez. I mean, the, the team has always just been bad around him outside of his pass catchers. I mean, you know, you, you almost wish that he had been around for like those days of like the, the DVD backfield where it was like work done and, and DJ Duckett. Like, I mean, that that would have been fun to see. But, you know, they, they've just never really been able to have number one, a balanced offense and number two, a defense that is even passable. See, um, I'll push back on that because. They had a couple years, and is Devontae Freeman the next coming of Christ? No, um, but they were adequate with him and, De- yeah. and Tevin Coleman. I'm, and I'm not giving Matt Ryan a full pass on that Super Bowl because if he doesn't take some stupid sacks, if he doesn't make some dumbass decisions with the ball, they're the world's, they're, they're Super Bowl championship. Um, so I, I just, I'm not going to give him a full pass, but I agree with you know 90% of what you all are saying. Yeah, he. I mean, he earned he earned a little bit with some of the the bad decisions he made in that game, and and Kyle Shanahan earned a little bit yeah. with some of the bad decisions he made in that game. Um, but it's just, I mean, guys, this was this was five years ago, like, yeah. And you've done nothing to help your franchise quarterback out. You've actually just gotten worse. You've added worse offensive coordinators. You've gone through worse regime regime changes. Uh, you've done nothing to improve a defense in five years. I mean, I just don't understand it. Uh, and like the other part, the other question I have, and I feel like I'm sorry, we're just like crashing down on the Falcons like a meteor shower. <laughs> but if you're in such a bad cap situation, how did that happen when your roster is so bad? You have deals like Todd Gurley, you know? yeah, exactly. And then you push the, you know, you you give guaranteed money, you redo a Julio Jones contract two years after he signs it to give him more money, you know, shit like that. You know, if we look at the career trajectory, the the other one that I think is a really good comp for Matt Ryan is Philip Rivers. You know, if you look at the 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 talent that both of those guys have had at various times, and they've been close, right? They've had a couple bites of the apple, but they never quite sell, you know, seal the deal. And I worry that late career Matt Ryan is going to be one of those guys that they get the ball back and they're down four with you know a minute and twenty seconds left, and Matt Ryan throws that soul crushing interception every week, just like Matt, just like uh, Philip Rivers used to. Um, and I, and I, I, I feel like he deserves better than that, but I think there's going to be a lot more of late career Philip Rivers to Matt Ryan's game than we think. So, so we'll move on. But before we do, I just want to read to you their starting uh, secondary real quick um, before we get final win totals. Uh, here's their starting corners, AJ Terrell, Isaiah Oliver and Kendall Sheffield. And their starting safeties are Eric Harris and Jay and someone called Jalen Hawkins. Like I said, I think this is possibly the worst secondary I've ever seen in my life. Yikes. What's um what are we calling for win totals? I'm saying three. I got three. four. Four. I'll I'll be the optimist with six. Whoa. Whoa. That is I'll give him six. That's what okay, so what do you uh, not to belabor the, the Falcons, you know, for thirty <laughs> I have minutes, to, but I have six. to justify Yeah, six. holy shit. <laughs> We're making Matt justify six wins. That's that's pretty aggressive. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just uh, I, yeah, wow. I'm just surprised by that. But you don't have to justify it. Just I, I, no, no. To be honest with you, I feel like they can. I feel like they can split with the Saints. I feel like they can split with the Panthers, um, and they were the worst team in that division. So whoever they're playing, like they're playing the bottom barrel of of 
you know, whatever divisions that they're that they're playing this year. So that's that they're playing at least four teams that finished in last place in their division. So I feel like they can they can you know if they split with with Panthers, they split with the um, the Saints. That's two wins. I'll give them three other wins, and I feel like they 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 pull out uh, a crapper, you know, an upset one team. They're owed some good luck from last year. Um, yeah. All right, so we'll move to the Panthers and guys. I think you're gonna have to. I think I'm gonna start buying some baby blue Panther gear because color me a fan. <laughs> um, they finished five and eleven last year. Brutal month of October and November. They lost six of seven, um, and they lost to the Bears, Falcons, Vikings, Broncos. Not great losses. Um, but they've since kissed uh, Teddy Bridgewater goodbye. They've signed up for the Jets' sloppy seconds uh, with uh, Sam Darnold. And Joe Brady's debut in the NFL could be considered underwhelming. Uh, but that being said, they were out without uh, one of their – not one of their – their most important piece on offense, Christian McCaffrey, for uh, uh, for most of the season. So thoughts coming into 2021 um, with the Carolina Panthers. So – I, I think this is going to be a fun team uh, to, to watch. I think they've got a lot of really good young pieces on the defense. Um, I can't wait to see the impact that J.C. Horn has on that on that secondary. Um, you know, I, I think it'll kind of remind people of, of, you know, Josh Norman in his in his heyday before he you know decided not to be good. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think that the. I think the overall outlook is is positive. Now, I mean, do I think they're a threat to the win division? Eh, I don't know if I would go that far. I think they could potentially make the playoffs. Um, I will say though, I don't. I'm not a huge fan of paying running backs. I think you know we're all kind of you know along the the same outlook there. But that said, you paid the running back, and you've got Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore. Uh, Terrence Marshall is a rookie. I mean, there's there's definitely some pieces. I think an underrated signing is uh, is Dan Arnold, uh, formerly of the Arizona Cardinals, at tight end. I think he's um, he's always been a very good athlete. I think it's taken him a long time to learn the position, but I think he's an instant upgrade over Ian Thomas. Uh, the rest of the line is good, not great, um, but I think that they've got enough. Um, skill position, you know, guys that to, to kind of overcome that. Um, I could easily see this team winning ten games, um, but but there's a wide range of outcomes here, and the reason why there's a ra- wide range of outcomes is to, to nobody's surprise is is Sam Darnold die or not? Um, you know, I, I you know they they gave a, a second round pick for him. You know, he didn't show very much with the Jets, but then again, I don't know who could. Um, you know, I think that 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 team and the the makeup of that roster really hamstrung him. Uh, I mean, it's almost like, and I and I think I somebody mentioned this, and I thought it was a good good uh, sort of analogy, but it's almost like Sam Darnold had an internship and in at the New York Jets before coming over to the to the Panthers, and if you look at it that way, then. You know, maybe there's there's some hope, but you know, I, I think you got to give Sam Darnold a little bit of a pass for how his career has unfolded to this point. Um, there's more upside here than you typically would find in a in a quarterback acquisition. Um, 
I think this team wins 10 games, um, barring, barring uh, you know, Sam Darnold really just totally imploding. Um, and if he does implode, then they may be in for a rough year because they don't have a lot behind him, um, you know, because they got rid of Teddy Bridgewater. Um, but this is going to be a fun team. You know, you got Derek Brown, you've got uh, Jeremy Chin, J.C. Horn, uh, Hassan Reddick. I mean, there's a lot of talent on that defense, um, enough to keep them in games, even if the offense takes a couple games to, to get into rhythm. So I, I got this team pegged to 10 games. Bill pegging. Peg, yeah. peg alert. Peg alert. <laughs> so, so this team reminds me of the Seattle Seahawks right before they became like the Legion of Boom. Like there was a year where I think it was maybe Russell Wilson's rookie year where they really surprised people. They weren't expected to be um, that great. And like Pete Carroll had just taken over as like his first couple years. Um, and then they just like showed out and surprised everybody and uh, became a playoff team and a, and a perennial Super Bowl contender. I feel like that's the phase of life that Carolina's in right now. I really like their defense. Um, Bill mentioned a few names, so I won't reiterate that point. But I think they can be disruptive up front. I think they've got a really good secondary with J.C. Horn coming in. Um, Jeremy Chin has obviously already proven how good he is. I think when you look at the off offensive side of the ball, uh, great um, great receivers, um, up-and-coming group of wide receivers. Bringing back Christian McCaffrey creates a whole new dynamic uh, and creates problems for linebackers in the middle of the field, um, which is going to open up that passing game for maybe some other options. Um, you know, with McCaffrey in the backfield, they were productive with Mike Davis. I can only imagine how productive they're going to be with McCaffrey back. Uh, and then they added a, a, a Chuba Hubbard, which is, you know, hashtag Bill's favorite player. Um, Tommy Trenbull, hashtag Bill's other favorite player. Um, and I think they, they did a good job in the draft. They added depth on the offensive line with Brady Christensen. Um, I love everything that they've done. Matt Rule seems like he's a great coach. Players love to play for him. He's got that sort of inspirational component to his personality. Um, and the big piece that I'll, I'll hone in on with Sam Darnold is when we look at Joe Brady, uh, Joe Brady earned his his spot in the NFL with with Joe Burrow and how he was able to make Joe Burrow you know, really go from nothing to being the Heisman winner and the first overall pick. And when I'm comparing Joe Burrow to other quarterbacks around the league, Sam Darnold's a nice comparison. Joe Brady has worked with guys like Sam Darnold before. Um, you know, Joe, in terms of measurables, Joe and Sam are both kind of mobile. Uh, they're not crazy mobile, but they're they're mobile enough to be dangerous. They can make plays with their legs. Um, they're they've got great arm talent. Um, but I think where the real difference between Joe Burrow and Sam Darnold is at this point in their career is that Joe Burrow is a much better decision maker. Yes. Uh, Joe Burrow doesn't turn the ball over quite as much. Joe Burrow uh, has been trained and taught and coached to read defenses in a different way. And these are things that Sam hasn't been afforded the opportunity under the thumb of the devious Adam Gase. So when I take a look at, at um, Sam Darnold, uh, coming into a uh, uh, Joe Brady system, you know, I, I think it was a mismatch last year with 
Teddy and Joe because Teddy's like, you know, tentative Teddy, you know, won't take shots downfield. Tentative Teddy, make sure you check down. Like, that's just what Teddy Bridgewater is at this point in his career. Um, but when I look at someone who's got far more arm talent in Sam Darnold uh, when compared to Teddy Bridgewater, someone who can make plays with his legs, is more athletic than Tre- Teddy Bridgewater, um, and someone who can sit in Joe Brady's system and learn, um, I think the sky's the limit for Sam. I, I, I legitimately believe that Sam is going to have a breakout year, uh, maybe like a comeback player of the year type of story, and he is probably going to earn uh, the franchise quarterback role in Carolina. So that's my my bold prediction, my bold take. So how many wins? What's the verdict? 11. 11, okay, very nice. I um, agree a lot with what you all had said. Um, I think we talked about this in previous episodes, though. I don't think there's been a better – we've all kind of gushed over Matt Rule and Scott Fitterer in terms of how they've developed these players and how they've drafted them. I think that was really on display this offseason, um, just on how they address the positions of need. I mean, they had, you know, they have a little bit of a need on the offensive line, even though Taylor Moten is great. Greg Little is vastly underrated. Um, and they went out and they signed Cameron Irvin, Irving and drafted Brady Christensen. They didn't go out and throw, you know, $30 million guaranteed at Joe Thune. And, you know, instead of, you know, replacing, um, uh, you know, to replace Curtis Samuel, they didn't go out and throw tons of money at Kenny Galladay. They signed David Moore and they drafted Terrace Marshall. So everything has been really smart and intelligently done. Um, the D line is loaded with studs: Derek Brown, Brian Burns, um, Yerdegros Matos. If he has a, a breakout year, that could be a very dangerous D line. And their linebackers have been improved. Uh, Shaq Thomas, Denzel Perryman, Bill already mentioned Hassan Reddick. That's an athletic linebacking core. And then the secondary, um, I love the signing of A.J. Bouye, who has at times been a lockdown corner. Um, you know, you have Jeremy Chin, J.C. Horn. Uh, so this could be a, a great, I feel like, defense, all things considered. Um, I think they paid a little bit too much to find out if Sam Darnold was great. Uh, if he had a better track record at two and a six, I could get behind, but I feel like to find out if someone's good, that might be a little much. Um, and the only other bad thing I can say is Denzel Perryman's been banged up in his career with the, with the chargers relying on him to be your starting middle linebacker without a solid, um, you know, depth option behind him, I think could leave you a little thin, but that is such picking nits at this point. Um, everything else, the Tommy Tremble um, the pick, um, we already mentioned, I already mentioned Terrace Marshall and the work they've done on the offensive line. Chuba Hubbard, Bill mentioned. I love this team. I am. I don't know if I'm, I think Sam Darnold is going to have as great of the year, Matt, as you do. I think that he has a very good year, but I think they're going to lean a little bit more on McCaffrey uh, and Hubbard uh, and their running backs than they maybe have in years past to make sure that Darnold doesn't have the same experience he did in New York, uh, in Carolina. So I think the end result's the same. I think they maybe get there a little bit of a different way, but I think they win 12 games. That's my projection this year. I think they make a huge jump and win 12. I love it. I love it. I think this is, this is, this is just the next up and coming team. Um, it's just a shame they have to, exists in the same division as Tampa Bay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I wish uh, I wish they were in the NFC East. They'd win it, you know, every year. 
I, there is a huge area of concern, though. If you guys watch the Panthers' uh, schedule reveal, they had uh, they tried so hard, uh, and they did pretty well, but they had something called uh, Darn uh, darn Chain or something like that uh, for the old uh, like Bitcoin um, illusion reference. But, I mean, that could tank. That could come back and bite them in the ass if Darn was a bad year. It could, they could look bad for doing that. Um, but that's neither here nor there. So any thoughts on the Panthers? I feel like we're pretty progressive on these Panthers. We're giving them a lot of credit that maybe other places aren't. I think yeah, we've been high on them since before the draft. Yeah. Yeah, even even if you look at the the draft podcast we did, like, I mean, I, there's nothing not to like about their off-season moves. Um, and, and I think, honestly, you know, Atlanta is is so far from a contender, and we haven't talked about New Orleans yet, but I I anticipate a step back there, too, not to give, not to give too much away, but... <laughs> Spoilers. 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 So let's move um, uh, to the Bucks. We're getting to the Saints. Um, 11 and 5 last year. Obviously, the Super Bowl champs dominated the Chiefs of the Super Bowl, especially that replacement level offensive line. Um, they didn't lose after their bye week last year. Um, four straight wins to end the regular season, and they won four straight in the playoffs. Um, and. This run, a byproduct of this run, doesn't really have much to do with Tampa Bay, but Brady leaving New England and having success in Tampa has really increased tensions across any team that has a high-level quarterback that currently does not get a say in roster construction. Uh, the Packers, um, the uh, the Seahawks, and I think that's the Brady effect. So, um, Or it's just two guys that are kind of douchebags. <laughs> that's true. That, that could very well be it. Uh, as well and a question i'll lead off to you all with is anyone else annoyed as i am by pats fans who like adopted the the bucks and have cheered for that like it was their own championship last year or is that just me that is obnoxious but i feel like there's like a contingent that are just brady people yeah which i gotta be honest I don't really care. Like, if you want to, if you want to vote, if you want to root for your guy because he won you like a gajillion Super Bowls, and then he went and won one more somewhere else. Like, I don't really care. The thing that I care more about is the fact that, unfortunately, because we live in Florida, we are not able to watch our our, our hometown uh, Steelers unless we go to a bar or something. And if the GD Pats are playing, <laughs> God help us, because you've got, you know, every single, you know, <sighs> I digress. It drives me nuts because they've, they've got a gajillion people there. And, and most of these Patriots fans have, like, Sunday ticket. But yeah. they want to go to a bar to watch it just so they can, they can, they can chirp at other, other fans. Um it's the worst. The only th- the only thing worse than a Pats fan on Sundays is an Eagles fan. <laughs> I can I I will say I've been around one good one. The rest are questionable. So I, what, that's a nice way to put it. <laughs> so thoughts. So, so, so thoughts back to the, the Buccaneers. Team. Yeah. So thoughts on the actual team. <laughs> oh, back to the Buccaneers. Well, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Oh okay. Well, let's talk Buccaneers. Okay. They're they've got the best roster in the league. <laughs> I mean, I gotta be honest. Like, it's not even particularly close. If you just like eyeball their roster, you know, next time you're on ESPN.com or something, you're gonna look at it and go, okay, well, they're gonna win the Super Bowl again, right? Um, I mean, there's no holes on this team. Um now eventually 
Tom Brady's deal with Satan is going to run out and he's going to revert back to like 2000 form where he's just like this skinny dude. He's like, Oh, my power. I digress. Um, but that uh, barring Tom Brady, you know, totally falling off a cliff. Um, they're going to be right back in the thick of it next year. They re-signed Antonio Brown. They've got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Rob Gronkowski. I mean, they have three tight ends that could start on probably, you know, two thirds of the teams in the league right now in, in Gronkowski, Howard and, and Bright. Now Howard, uh, I, I know he's been disappointing to this point, but he, I mean, he's still better than freaking Chris Herndon. So, I mean, give me that. <laughs> um, the, the line is, is just as good as it was last year. The defense is terrifying. They've gotten Dominican Sue, uh, Vita Vea, um, JPP, um, Devin white, Shaq Barrett. I mean, there are no holes on this team. And the thing that set, sets them apart from the other teams in this division is that there aren't any holes. Um, you know, even in, and I know we just talked up Carolina, but there's there's still some question marks on that team. Mm-hmm. This this group, um, I don't see any reason, barring injury, that they can't go back to the Super Bowl. I, I've got them. I've got them at uh, I've got them at 13 wins, maybe 14. I am right with you, Bill. I have on my little list here, I have the only downside is injury is the only way this team gets uh, derailed from um, winning 12 games at a bear. Like, tw- I'm going to say they win 12 games, and that's going to be at a bare minimum. Like, worst case scenario, they win 12 games, and I'm not going to um, uh, belabor any points you mentioned. I will say, I thought it was interesting. You look at this team, you're like, where could they use some help? Maybe pass rushing. And boom, look, they addressed that with their with their first uh, pick in Joe Tryon. So they are on top of it, and this team is not only complete but deep. So absolutely, yeah, just, yeah. I think you know maybe if there's one if there's one minor weakness that I could look at. I mean, let's not forget what Tyreek Hill put up two hundred and sixty five yards or something on them. Um, mid-season so I think I think maybe the the corners defensive secondary could use you know a little bit of uh, an upgrade or maybe it's maybe the weakest unit of a really really strong overall team um, but even then like it doesn't matter what happened in week nine what happened in the Super Bowl is they figured it out so um, yeah I don't I'll just reiterate some of the same points like there's no holes there's no weaknesses receivers offensive line run game um obviously you have tom defense is great tons of depth um built to go to another super bowl and i'll I'll also just kind of throw this out there for another like pats and and tampa bay quarterback thing um and this is consistent so you can go back to the first episode of the podcast where zach and i evaluated quarterbacks um, Kyle Trask is going to be the next Tampa Bay franchise quarterback whenever Tom decides that he's going to retire. Um, they hit a home run grabbing him in, I think, the th- second or third round. I don't remember when it was, but maybe even the fourth. I don't second recall. Second round. Second round. Um, let's give them too much credit with those other two. <laughs> but, um, but I think Kyle Trask is going to be the next franchise quarterback there. Um, I loved Kyle Trask 
um, as a prospect. So go listen to episode one if you want to hear a little bit more about that. Um, but I think when you look like the Patriots drafting Mac Jones, I think Trask will have a better career. So just kind of double double doinking the uh, the pats on quarterbacks. You're doubling down on the Trask take. Uh, oh, I'm doubling down on I it. I feel yeah. like he, he's one of the ones we differed on the most. But I still thought he could comp to like Carson Palmer. I think that was the comp I used, but not as yeah. high as, as, as you on that. But yeah, you called it. You called it early, and if he turns out to be good, then that's all you, brother. Mm-hmm. So, any other thoughts about the Bucks other than they're really freaking good, and they're probably gonna go, you know, to the fi- at least the final four. Uh, again, yeah, I got I got him at um, Bill. You said what? Thirteen wins. I don't do thirteen. Thirteen, Zach. What do you have, Matt? Twelve. Twelve. I'll I'll go. Oh shit. Okay, I'll go. Yeah, I'll go thirteen. I guess. Okay. Um, but yeah, I I they're they're my they're my pick right now. That could change, but they're my pick right now for Super Bowl champion. I um, I think that twelve wins. I'll couch that by saying the twelve wins is like worst case scenario. So. Um, so last team moving on to the old New Orleans Saints, they rattled off nine wins uh, last year, and that included a stretch uh, where Drew Brees was out pretty much because he was an old man who got tackled um, and broke <laughs> you know every bone in his in his midsection, <laughs> torn um, brain out forever, <laughs> torn brain out forever, <laughs> um, just an old guy getting tackled. That's what they should have put on an injury report. Um, but you know the, he's now retired. They lost in the um, Divisional round um, to the to the defending champs, uh, the Buccaneers, after beating them twice in the regular season. Uh, so now they're at a, kind of at a crossroads, and they have to decide what are they going to do in this new season with Jameis and Tyson Hill. Interested to get your your take on that and the team as a whole. Go ahead, Matt. I I think you've got to go with Jameis. Um, and. Sean Payton is is supposed to be this offensive guru and he's supposed to be this great quarterback coach and you know he he you know has displayed that where he took Drew Brees um and made him into you know an MVP made him into a Super Bowl winner um made him into just a perennially great quarterback um and he did the same thing with Tony Romo back in the day um after he was uh, part of Bill mm-hmm. Parcell's staff that that you know, brought Romo, yep. who was sort of a relatively unknown, and made him uh, into a, a Pro Bowl player. Uh, did the same thing with Breeze. So, it, to me, it's like you have to prove it. You, you've got all this raw talent with Jameis. You have someone who has thrown over 30 touchdowns in this league. Uh, he threw 30 interceptions, but isn't your <laughs> thing supposed to be like to coach yeah. the guy to not make those bad decisions, to sort of work some of the bad habits out of his game? Um, and so to me, like, this is a no-brainer. Um, and Taysom Hill, just in, in sort of the brief viewings that we got of him, I wasn't wildly impressed. I feel like uh, a lot of checkdowns to Alvin Kamara, um, not a lot of, of, you know, deep cuts down the field, not a lot of plays where I saw him, you know, just move on to his second or third read uh, and make a, you know, those, when it, like, those dart throws over the middle or, or, uh, you know, deep out or deep comeback um, with pinpoint accuracy. Uh, Jameis is, is, in my mind, clearly the better quarterback, and he probably gives you the best chance to compete in this division. Um, so if I'm Sean Payton, I've, I've got to run with, with Jameis, in my opinion. 
I think that uh, having had Tyson as my quarterback in fantasy last year, that's how bad things were, um, he had the Joe Flacco disease. It was short or he's going to die trying to go deep, and sometimes it's going to connect, and other times, most times it's not. So I don't think he was that bad. I don't think he was that great, but I feel like Peyton is stuck between a rock and a hard place right now because he, I think he promised Hill that he would get a shot when Breeze was gone, and I think he's trying to honor that promise and that's really the only reason why Hill is considered the starter, um, or at least a part-time starter. I don't think it makes any sense for Jameis to come back on a one-year, $5 million deal unless he's the starting quarterback. And I think that kind of tells the story. I think there's going to be less drama around this than people think, uh, at least internally with the Saints team. Because Jameis could have started for seven teams this mm-hmm. you know this season, and have earned more than five million dollars, and four or five, four to five additional teams would have paid him more than this five million dollars to be his backup. So unless yep. he is, unless he is playing like eighty percent of snaps this year, it made zero sense for him to come back under Sean Payton. So that's why I think Jameis, you know, not only from a skill set he's better than Taysom, but I think that in and of itself tells you everything you need to know that. That um, that Jace that Jameis is going to be the starting quarterback come come week one. Yeah, and, and the nice part about Taysom is you can always put him in packages. That's what he's been doing for the last three years anyway. So it's not like he's not going to play. So that's why I mean, there's no downside to starting Jameis because um, it's a little bit different when you go from hey Taysom's our starter and now we're going to have Jameis package where we're like just going <laughs> to throw the ball. You know, so it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, Do not you know, underestimate. Sean Payton's desire to be the smartest man in the room, though. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, no, no, that's 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 fair. That's fair. Um, This is a kind of a kind of a transitional year um, for this team. You know, Michael Thomas was hurt basically all year last year. Um, Alvin Kamara, you know, probably will win win the rushing title again this year. I mean, that the offensive line is still very very good. one one uh, guy to keep keep uh, an eye on is Adam Troutman, the tight end um, out of Dayton. Um, you know he's he's been uh, on the team for a couple of years now, but um, there's a chance that he becomes that sort of go-to tight end uh, to to fill the shoes left by uh, by Jared Cook. The defense is still good. Um, they're getting older. Uh, Cameron Jordan, Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, Demario Davis. I mean, they're they're still good, but um, I I see I see mediocrity for this team. Um, I don't think they win the division again. I think that um, you know if you've got two quarterbacks, you really don't have any quarterbacks. And I realize that both of these guys are capable of playing, but um, you know navigating that on a week by week basis, I, I think is maybe going to cause some friction in the, in the locker room uh, at some point. I I just don't. And, and then you look at the receiver core and it's Michael Thomas and like nobody. I mean, it's, it's Traquan Smith who really hasn't shown very much at all in, in three years, Marquez Calloway, who's just an also ran um, and a bunch of other, you know, guys that are, you know, end of the roster types that maybe wouldn't make another roster. Right. Um, so Michael Thomas is going to have to sort of shake the the stigma because even at the you know we had the big year two years ago, I mean the man ran slants a lot 
Like he was, you know, slanty McSlanterson. And, but honestly, that's because that's what Drew Brees could still throw, right? So it wasn't Michael Thomas's fault that that's all his quarterback could throw. But now he needs to be able to, you know, demonstrate again that he's able to expand his game a little bit. Um, well, and I don't think this is a bad roster, but I don't think it's nearly as good as Tampa Bay. Um, and one could argue with the with the uncertainty at quarterback that they're not as good as Carolina. Um, you know, I, I see this team regressing, uh, a little bit. Um, but, but, but you can only go so far with that offensive line and the talent at, at running back. Um, I got this team competing for a playoff spot. I got them at about eight or nine wins. I'm going to go, I'm going to go nine wins, um, just based on, you know, some of the talent that's still there. Um, but this, this team is going to take a step back in some, in some major ways this year. I'm surprised they brought back as many players as they were able to with the cap hell they were under. Um, thanks for, uh, Taysom Hill and that wild contract, that fake contract he signed. Um, but I'm with you, Bill, Jordan Cameron getting older, Marcus Davenport, you know, still good, but Demario Davis old, Malcolm Jenkins old, um, and I don't, and it's and it's pretty roster thin. I mean, this is another roster that is, or pretty paper thin as, as far as depth goes. This is another roster that is, you know, stars and scrubs kind of mentality. And I guess my take on the Michael, by the way, the slant boy, like nickname for Michael Thomas and the blitz boy, nickname for Jamal Adams just like crack me up. Those kill me. Um, but I don't think Michael Thomas is on the team in 2022 uh, just because he holds a lot of cap. And they could get they could get enough for him maybe even this year at the deadline um, to make sense with parting with them. Um, but yeah, the the receivers behind him are god awful. But yeah, I have them at uh, eight wins. That's what I that's what I have them at. Yeah, I don't I don't see it with this team. I think you guys hit on the 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 aging defense. There's some names there, but I don't think there's those are quite the players that they once were like we kind of talked about with Arizona when we did the NFC West one, like you're getting the ghost of some of these people. And I think cam Jordan's still good. Marcus Davenport, someone who really hasn't proved that he was worth the, the trade up to, I think it was the top 10 to pick yep. him. Um, Maybe 11. they went out anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere like that. But, but they, they went out and they got the kid from Houston who I actually think was a nice addition. I just don't think he needed to be added in the first round. You could have maybe traded back and got him later on, but I think he'll be productive. He has got some good pass rush pedigree, um, but I think it's a middling defense, and I think it's a it's a bad offense. Um, offensive line is okay. Kamara is is gonna be productive, but you know just because your running back is productive, that doesn't mean you're a good team. Um, you know, so that's not always the case. Uh, receivers outside of Michael Thomas, I don't think they have anybody that's that's um, even a top forty wide receiver. Um, tight end, I don't really. I mean, Bill talked about some random guy from Dayton that he knows, but that's because <laughs> that's because Bill knows every tight end in the league. Yeah. Um, so so He's like giving them the I got nothing. treatment. You know, watch tape right. for twenty hours. <laughs> right, I got I got nothing on that. So. Uh, to me, this this is um, – I actually think this team is going to be um, – unless Jameis starts and he can somehow elevate some of these other players, um, 
this is this is a six win team, same as Atlanta. Wow. That would be wild. Sean Payton would would lose his mind. He might just bend himself again again for a year. You want to talk about offseason puff puff pieces? You watch the puff pieces on Adam Troutman. You, think you so? just wait. Yes. Is he best shape of life? 100%. Best shape of his life. Great chemistry with Jameis Winston. Catches every ball in practice. It's going to happen, guys. You wait. He is this year's um, 20, 2014 Jared Cook. I am going. Go, what were you going to say, Matt? <laughs> no, I, was, I, was just, I love the this year's 2014 Jared Cook. <laughs> I think my candidate for um, uh, best shape of life is going to be a, is going to be a little bit of a sleeper. I think it's Quadre Olson, the running back for the for the Falcons. You know, oh, I need a one-two punch with Mike Davis. We kept we let Brian Hill go. Ido Smith's gone. You know, Quadre Olson, even though he was slow as shit at Pitt too, you know, the best shape of his life and he's gonna come in and, you know, provide that extra boost for for, for, for the Falcons. Uh, that, that's that's that what I'm like, to. Hyping up Quadre dude, Olson. He's he's like if Sean Green and Najee Davenport had a baby. <laughs> he's Green. that slow. Incredible <laughs> reference. Incredible. I just love. I, this is the second podcast in a row I've hit up, but like fat backs that do wind sprints, man. That's all that matters. Mike Mike Davis might not be far from best shape in life candidate too. That that whole backfield, you know, went to the same trainer or something in the off season. I was shocked when I saw what Mike Davis looked like, because like. <laughs> Was he ugly or something, or what? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not insulting. <laughs> this guy's <laughs> disgusting looking. Oh, look at this freaking guy. <laughs> Sorry if you're listening, Mike. Jeez. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm getting at. Not what I'm getting at. But, like, I remember seeing Mike Davis last year because I had, like, I'd never seen his face. <laughs> and, and, and he's like, first of all, his forehead is huge. <laughs> well, he's bald, isn't he? Like, like, his forehead is basically his whole head. <laughs> I know, but, but he's got like that goatee, and he like he just looks like somebody's dad. Like he just looks like <laughs> he, does. he, he just looks like. Does. But when I, but I when when I saw his running style, like Bill talked about, we talked about Atlanta, like he's a hard nosed runner. Like he's a big, tough, like strong guy. And like, he looks like he's probably pretty cut up. Like he looks like he's, he's, you know, takes care of himself, but then he takes his helmet off and he looks like he's a 40 year old father of four. (laughs) Okay. So I just Googled Mike Davis and Holy shit. Have you guys seen the picture of him at minicamp? Google no, Mike no. Davis right now. Look at his fucking thighs. Holy shit. But, but I should not type in thighs, <laughs> no, though, just right? No, Mike Davis. Oh, okay. That'll be one of the first things that comes up. Mike I am, Davis I thighs. Am, I am shocked. <laughs> My jaw is at the floor right now. I cannot believe this guy's legs. Like, they look cartoonish. Oh, yeah. He's got, like, the definition, off. like, around it's the unbelievable. knee. Unbelievable. Oh, that's great. He does look like somebody's dad, though. I love the hat on too. Like he just came from the grill and is like, all right, I'll show you guys how to run this. <laughs> yeah. Like that's what I'm saying. Like, but that that's exactly the point I'm making is this dude is shredded. He has, his leg muscles have muscles <laughs> and then disgusting. he takes his helmet off. He takes his helmet off and it's like, like he looks like, he looks like if like Keenan Thompson was playing a dad <laughs> in like a, 
in like a in like a Medea movie or something. Like that's what he looks like to me. Oh shit! I am like oh, disturbed God. by these thighs right now. I can't stop looking. It is Pride Month. Oh my God. Um, but all right. So <laughs> what did you say? I about said Pride it is. Month? I, said it is <laughs> I said I can't stop looking at his thighs. I said it is Pride Month. So. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I I just have to like so the only reason why I'm bringing this up right now is because it was literally the first thing because Google's got that people also ask question. Okay. The first question about Mike Davis people also ask is is Mike Davis a Marxist? <laughs> what the what the hell? It can't be the same Mike Davis. It's got to be a different no, well, Mike Davis. I, I, I don't know. But, okay, no, it says Mike Davis scholar. Let's see. Let's see if we can Google his. Oh, no. Oh, he's an old. He looks like Wilfred Brimley. Like a thin version of Wilfred Brimley. I'm looking at he's right like now. a thin Wilfred Brimley. I wonder what his thighs look like. Oh, dear God. Oh, we've bet, we've taken a turn here. We have. I bet I bet Aaron Rodgers is 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 Aaron Rodgers a Marxist? He, he looks like he, stupid interview. He looks like he looks like an old like if Aaron if Aaron Rodgers and um and Wilford Brimley had a baby that was also a commie. That's what he looks like. A, a communist with diabetes. <laughs> a communist with diabetes. <laughs> I'm really worried about the proletariat's sugar intake. <laughs> it's, it's just about the people, you know? It's the people, the people in the franchise. I'm praying right, all I say is people 500 times. Idiot. God, I fucking hate uh, that guy. Yeah, Samuel Gompers. And kids, if listening, if you don't remember him, look him up. It's a pretty good on that. It's a pretty good comparison. Um, we should, Mike Davis title Samuel Gompers is. <laughs> we, we should title this episode NFC South Preview and Descent into Madness. <laughs> Descent into Mike Davis Madness. <laughs> Last 15 minutes. So, so just to clarify for the listeners, the Mike Mike Davis, the running back, is not a Marxist. <laughs> Good job. Different Mike Davis. There's a lot of Mike Different Davis. Different Mike Davis. Different guy. that's like that's like the other matt lucas is a fat gay british guy (laughs) (laughs) you know that actually brings up a fun point i remember and this was like i don't know eight years ago because the last time i was on facebook there was a guy named bill lucas that had actually added all of the other billy lucas (laughs) There was like fourteen, and he like had a, a like a support group, and I was like, I don't. This is so weird. Like he literally found everybody with the same name and just like put them in a group. It's so weird. Well, he's like those people who they text the number like their like the phone number above them, or like you know last four minor five three five eight. They text like five three five nine, or like what's up? Like those people are the fucking worst. Yeah. Oh, for sure. There's there's a special place place in hell for those people. <laughs> Um, so to try to bring it back to the NFC South last rankings real quick, anyone want to go first? Uh, I'm going to go number one, obviously Tampa Bay with 13 wins. Uh, I will go Carolina next with 10, uh, new Orleans at nine and Atlanta at a lowly four, despite Mike Davis's thighs. And I'm assuming <laughs> capitalist views <laughs> in his dad strength. 
<laughs> yeah, and his dad, his dad has his, his dad's strength, his Keenan Allen energy or Keenan uh, Thompson, Thompson energy. Yeah, not Keenan, very different energy. <laughs> very different people. <laughs> um, let's see, what do I got? I got uh, Atlanta. Or, Atlanta. That's wrong. <laughs> wow, <laughs> defend that, Matt. <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, starting from the top, I could have gone from the bottom. No, starting from the top, I got Tampa Bay at thirteen. 13 wins. I got Carolina at 11, uh, New Orleans and Atlanta in the dumpster at six each. I have the Saints. Or not this fuck, man. We are going. <laughs> we're going. We're going. We're just. We're descending quickly. Um, this is a plane with it lost all four engines. Um, this, I have the Bucks at 12 wins with the Panthers at 12. Bucks have the tiebreaker to win the division. Saints at eight wins, and then the Falcons at uh, three. <clears throat> so, any other descents, rabbit holes, or anything else before we pack up and, and head on no, out? No, I'm getting lightheaded <laughs> with, with all the <laughs> yeah. laughter. This is ridiculous. All right, thanks for listening out there, guys. Uh, Bill, Matt, pleasure, absolute pleasure. I'll see you all next episode. Good Always stuff. Fun. Peace out.